Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word and your promises that endure throughout this world. Lord, we are facing so many dangers and trials around us these days, but your word endures forever. And so today we pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that our faith would be strengthened and we would be found faithful to you, standing firm upon your promises. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Have any of you guys uh, driven past Old Palomar lately? down there on Grand to see all the demolition going on with the old hospital. Here's what I decided this past week. If this pasture thing doesn't work out, I don't have a lot of options. Um, I'm not very good at anything. I can't build. I can't do anything constructive. But I think I could do destruction. Like, I think I could do demolition. That looks like a lot of fun going in and like, oh, we're going to figure out how to destroy a hospital. That sounds like a great time. I think it's, it's pretty fascinating. So it's kind of interesting to watch how this hospital is just being demolished. Just think about this. Here was that power of a building right there in the middle of town. And it was a place that you would look to when you're driving through Escondido, you would look there and you knew there was this place of healing. There was this place of hope. Now, nobody ever wants to go to the hospital, but it's wonderful to drive around knowing you have that place you can go and God is working there through the doctors and he's working there uh, through the nurses to bring healing and restoration to people who are sick. But now, that place is falling apart being demolished. And if, and if you're around there during the day, you know it's nothing but just noise and chaos. I learned this in a really uh, frustrating way this past week as I was visiting one of our shut-ins right there in the shadow of Old Palomar. There's a sort of uh, a rehab, physical therapy kind of center that one of our shut-ins has been uh, staying at for the last couple of months. And we're not allowed because of COVID uh, to visit indoors at the center, and so we have to meet outside in this little courtyard. And so there we are in this little courtyard right in the shadow of this decrepit building with all the noise of demolition going on, trucks driving back and forth, beeping as they're removing all of the rubble, uh, construction workers yelling at each other. It's just noise and chaos everywhere. And it was really frustrating because I'm trying to do a devotion, like yelling at this dear saint who's, you know, six feet away from me. Uh, but I've got to yell at her so that we can hear each other over the noise. The noise from this place that used to be the center of hope and healing in Escondido. But I'll tell you, right now, nobody is going there to get healed anymore. But it was really interesting to me as I started to recognize sort of the irony of what was going on in this whole situation. Because the text we were working through is the text we heard this morning from Mark chapter 13. And Mark chapter 13 is a text about Jesus describing the destruction of another building. Uh, that was very central to the lives of the people of Israel. We find Jesus today just talking about uh, the demolition, you might say, of the temple in Jerusalem. Now that temple was a sight to behold. It was just kind of like Old Palomar, right there in the middle of life. It was up on a hill, and it was a, it was a symbol of Israel's political glory. It was a sign that God was there with the people, a place of, of, of sort of, um, what's what I'm looking for here? Identity. This was a place where the people had pride uh, in this building. God was promising to be presence among his people there. God had received sacrifices for the, uh, to atone for the sins of the people in that temple. This was the place where God was, and it was 
beauty. In fact, there's a number of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent that the people of Israel would sing as they were making their way towards that glorious temple. They would look upon that temple and they would say to themselves, I lift my eyes to the hills where the temple is. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now in Jesus' day, this temple was in need of some serious renovations, and so the Herod family had poured a lot of money into the temple to refurbish it and make it look more beautiful. And it was looking quite glorious to the people of Israel. In fact, even the disciples were amazed by this, so that one day they're with Jesus walking there uh, around the temple, and they look up at it and they say to Jesus, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. There it was temple, a place of hope and pride for the Israelites. Jesus looks up at this beautiful temple and he says, you know what, guys? Yeah, this place is going the way of old Palomar. Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. This place of national pride, this place of promise and hope, this building which is a sign of God's favor towards his people, thrown down and destroyed? What chance about the Jews? In fact, in the Jewish mind, the end of the temple would have meant the end of the world, so the disciples are kind of amazed by what Jesus says here. And four of them get him in a corner one day, and they ask him then, okay, so now tell us about this. Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all of these things are about to be now, at this point, it's worth noting Jesus is going to give his answer to the disciples about the destruction of the temple there. Uh, but these verses that Jesus answers with are some of the most debated and discussed passages in all of Scripture. And the discussion is centered around what is Jesus talking about? In answering the disciples today, is he going to be talking to us about what's going to happen before the temple is destroyed in 70 AD? Or is he talking to us about signs of the end of the world? And what's going to happen before Christ returns to set up the new heavens and the new earth? But what's the discussion here? Are we talking about the end of the temple or the end of all things? Well, based off of the reading and based off of the questions uh, that we're dealing with here, it would seem to me that Jesus is literally talking about the destruction of the temple. And when you read his description of what takes place and compare it to what the historians of the day say in about 70 AD when the temple was destro uh, destroyed, Jesus describes that destruction to a T. Wars, rumors of wars, all of these things going on is exactly what happens just before the temple is destroyed. So I think that's what he's talking about today, the destruction of the temple. And yet, it's worth noting for us that the things he describes happening, as we've mentioned already, wars, rumors of wars, famines, false teachers coming along claiming to be messiahs, and persecution and suffering for the church, those things do take place around the destruction of the temple, but at the same time, those are the things that are going to be taking place throughout the history of the world until Christ comes again. So is it about the destruction, or is it about the second coming? Yeah, it's kind of about all of that. And it's a good warning for us as Christians today. I think it's quite important for us to understand that what Jesus lays out for us here is a pattern of what we can expect to see going on in the world until he comes again. And if we are going to endure to the end, as Jesus says, these are things that we need to be aware of. 
as we were talking about in the children's messages today, uh, children mes- children's message today, there is going to be a number of wars and rumors of wars, and there will be false teachers who arise. There will be those powers of this world who will come along and seek to draw our faith away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't think this simply means they're going to stand up and say, hey, I'm Jesus, follow me, because that would be too easy to discern truth from error. Rather, they're going to be these nations and these powers that come along and promise to build strong and mighty nations, to promise peace in our lifetime. They will claim to have plans that will save us and make all things right. And for certain periods of time, they may even find success. They will build beautiful nations. They will create seemingly flawless governments. They will conquer other nations and set themselves up as powers and their citizens up as a power over everyone else in the world. And you and I will be tempted. We'll be tempted to look upon them as though they are the solution to the world's problems. Because they may have a solution that works for a period of time. But as Christians learned early on with the church in Rome, uh, with the, excuse me, with the, with, the, with the nation of Rome, that pretty soon those powers are going to demand your ultimate allegiance. And if you're going to have to be claiming that Jesus is Lord, you're not going to be welcome in those places. In the early church, they said Jesus was Lord, and this was seen as a sign of insurrection against Caesar, who claimed to be Lord. There will come a time when the church needs to stand up, stand up for Jesus over and against anyone else who comes along to say, I am he, in an effort to lead us away from Christ. We're witnessing this sort of thing happening already throughout the world. Uh, just yesterday, I watched a lecture, or a, a speech, I should say, from a bishop in Finland uh, who was part of this international Lutheran council. And the bishop in Finland, he's been brought over to America, but he'll be going back to Finland soon, where he has been brought up on criminal charges. And what was his crime? In 2013, he wrote a little document that said uh, men and women should be married. And that's what defines a marriage. And that homosexuality is a sin. And now he might be going to jail for that. For standing up for the truth of how God designed marriage. These are the things we are starting to see happen throughout our world. And the nations are not allowing the church any longer to speak the word of God. And if we think we are immune to this sort of thing in America, we are fooling ourselves. As we look around at the country right now, it's starting to feel a little bit like old Palomar, like the things are falling apart. And we need to take this seriously, and some of us, I fear, including myself in this, may need uh, some time of repentance here, because I think far too many of us have tied our hope and our faith to the rights and freedoms that we have in this country and the rights and freedoms we have under our Constitution. And our Constitution, as good as it is, it's a pretty incredible document, is not immune, one, to crumbling, or two, to demanding allegiance, ultimately. It too can can crumble and fall apart. It will not endure. Christ never promised it would. So what then? This whole show falls apart. What becomes of us? What becomes of the church? What becomes of the Christians? Well, there's two answers I think we need to think about here today. you were in my Bible study on Wednesday, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, but St. Augustine, one of the great uh, theological thinkers in the history of the church, the great theological thinker in the history of the church, but was faced with the same problem in his own era. 
when Rome was being destroyed. And there were many Christians who feared that if Rome is destroyed, the church is going to fall apart. And so they went to Augustine and they said, what, what do we do with this, Augustine? And Augustine says, listen, if Rome falls apart, all that means now is that the mission field has come to Rome. And you can pour a lot of meaning into that, but I think what Augustine was getting at is simply this. Whether Rome rises or falls, the mission of the church remains exactly the same. Whether America is a place that is welcoming to Christians or opposed to Christians, the mission of the church remains exactly the same. We are called to preach Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins and for the hope of everlasting life, no matter what's going on with the nations around us, no matter what's crumbling beneath us. We stand firm upon the word of Christ, and he cannot and will not be moved. What happens to us if everything else falls apart? We remain securely in the grip of Jesus' nail-pierced hands. We continue to stand firm upon the word that does not change, and we abide under the authority of the Lord of heaven and earth. You and I remain steadfast as protected sheep in the fold of the good shepherd. For our faith is founded upon a God who does not depend on the rising and the falling of the nations in this world. Our God does not depend on those things. In fact, Psalm 2, in a rather surprising way of speaking, said God laughs at those things. God endures. His word endures forever. And your faith is founded upon that, not this country, not any temple, not any political work of man, but upon the promises of Jesus Christ. Your faith in your church is built on the rock of Jesus, which cannot be moved. All other foundations, attractive as they are to our eyes, are sinking sand. But Christ's promises endure to the end. It is Christ, then, who would come to us today and not offer us any sort of Pollyanna-ish view of what's going to happen in this world. He is very clear. Until I come again, things are going to be falling apart. So perhaps today it is time for you and I to repent. Repent of our faith that we have placed in this, in this country, in this world, in anything around us. For they are not Jesus and they will not endure. But as we turn from those things, we find ourselves looking upon the Lord Jesus Christ who comes to you today and says, listen, my message for you has not changed. I forgive you for all of it. For a misplaced faith, for whatever sin in it it is you may be facing and dealing with this day, Jesus says, my blood has forgiven that sin and I have conquered the grave and I will never die again. And I have made you my own. Nations rise and fall, but you belong to me, says Christ. My promise for you will endure. It is in this promise that we stand firm even while the world is crumbling. And we are secured to the end. One of the great things about that little visit I had there in the shadow of Old Palomar uh, on, on third, uh, Tuesday afternoon this past week is that after the noise, we've kind of settled down a little bit. We finally had time uh, to do the Lord's Supper, and it was wonderful because in the, in the midst of the chaos and the noise and the construction and the destruction and all of this stuff going on around us, this, this miracle took place. The Lord Jesus Christ showed up in that place, and the Holy Spirit, as it were, gave us the words to say. He looked upon that dear woman and said, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Take and drink, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Those are words that have endured for 
thousands of years. Nations have come and nations have gone. They've risen and they've fallen. And yet, those words of institution, that sacrament has endured through all of them. It has not been shaken. And so the world was falling apart around us. That dear woman still receives the very body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for her. Strengthen her, sustain her, and forgive her. Amidst the chaos, the word still did its work. And it's what it's going to do for you here this morning as well. As the world is falling apart around us, you will gather at this rail. and The Lord Jesus Christ will do for you what he has done for all of his saints through the rising and falling of the nations of this world. He will give himself to you to forgive you for all of your sins and to sustain you into life everlasting. And it is with that Jesus present with us and for us, forgiving us and sustaining us, that we will endure to the end. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, in your mercy, forgive us for our sins. Lord, there are so many things in this world that would take our faith away from you, so many things that when they are destroyed, our faith is shaken. We thank you, Lord, that your word never is shaken. It is firm, and it abides forever. Grant us, Lord, a firm faith in your promises, and when our faith wavers, May your grace overcome and sustain us into life everlasting. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.